right. So uh, this is the second episode of About the Job, a podcast about career discovery. And here we have our first ever guest, uh, Vincent, also known as uh, Code by Vincent from uh, Code TikTok. with Vincent. Code with Vincent on TikTok. There we go. Sorry about that. All right. So, uh, Vincent, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do on social media? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a software engineer. I do iOS development. Uh, I've been in the industry for about three years now. Um, I have a computer science degree and with social media, I basically just started it because I was bored during the pandemic, didn't know where it would go. I still don't know where it's going, uh, but I'm just doing it for fun, to be honest. Um, just trying to figure out this whole TikTok algorithm and social media algorithm, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'd say you got it pretty figured out. Your account's pretty large, considering nah. you're on TikTok. <laughs> Not really. <clears throat> All right. Um, so, can you describe uh, what a mobile developer does in like layman's terms for someone who doesn't know anything about software engineering? Yeah. So, mobile developer. So, basically, almost everyone has a phone. If you don't, uh, you've probably seen a smartphone before. Um, and basically, mobile developers just Build that application that you use. For example, if everyone's using TikTok, that's basically built by a software engineer. Um, so I, I seen actually seen a lot of people commenting, seen some comments where people are just like, "Yo, what is code?" And I'm, and then I would just reply, "You know, this app you're using is literally built by code." Um, but yeah, and everything you see on the device, like all the applications you have, is just built by software engineers. That's what we get paid to do, basically. Okay. And uh, you said you've been a mobile developer for three years now? Yeah, pretty much three years. Okay. And uh, you said you, you studied computer science? Yeah, that's and correct. That's essentially like how you got into uh, software engineering. All right. What made you want to study computer science? Um, so to be honest, I was a very lost child when I was uh, in middle school, elementary school. To be honest, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, so I'm... I have Asian parents and they're like, um, they immigrated to Canada. So they didn't really have a college degree or anything like that. Uh, so I didn't really have anyone to kind of guide me in my journey. Um, so the only thing I had was pretty much video games. Like I played a lot of like those online games, like Maple Story, Guns, all the, all that good stuff. And I played League of Legends a lot. Um, and, you know, I've, I've always wanted to, you know, become like a game developer. You know, I want to make my own game. Like, that's something that I really wanted to do. Um, but, you know, I was like, I tried. I tried digging into code. Like, like back then, we didn't have that many resources when I started. Uh, so if I want to learn C++ or something, like, I'd have to go to the library and look, look at a book. And I'm like, I look at the book and it's, it's just so heavy, like so much text and everything. Like, I'm a kid. Like, I'm not interested in that. Uh, that's why it's cool now with everyone with this whole TikTok thing, you know, you try to present coding or programming in such a fun way that inspires people. So I really like that. Uh, but anyways, um, it wasn't until like final year of high school where I had to, you know, make that life changing decision. Like, yo, where should I go? Right. What am I going to do with my life? Uh, my parents always wanted me to be, you know, be a businessman or something like that. Doctor, you know, the common stereotypical jobs that Asian, like, families want their kids to have um but then you know um i have an older sister that you know she did study like life science and stuff and you know 
uh i guess she didn't like like she 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 been through it already like she's older than me so she she knew you know like the job prospects of everything from that isn't as great and when she was in university she met a lot of these you know computer science kids you know all these kids going to these big companies working these cool jobs uh and then she basically just recommended like you know i should try to study computer science um and i guess that's what i guess started my journey uh but you know i wasn't really smart in high school like i kind of fooled around a lot i didn't really get good grades uh so when i applied for university i I didn't get into the computer science program I wanted at the University of Waterloo. Um, I don't know, they're very strict with their cutoff grades. Like you needed at least a high 90 average. I was probably like a, a mid 80s. So I didn't get in, but they deferred me to another program called Geomatics. Uh, so in that program, it's they have some coding and more like map related GIS stuff. Um, and, you know, I was like, I might as well go to Waterloo because it has a co-op program where, you know, you can get some experience and like work on the field and study at the same time. Well, not at the same time, but kind of split up studying and co-op at the same time. So, you know, I, I knew, you know, like in this industry or like in the job world today, like you need experience in order to get a job. But if you don't have experience, you can't get a job. So with co-op, like that's going to help me a lot and put me ahead of other people. Uh, so that's why I went into geomatics. Uh, and the first day I went there, like literally, I went to an academic advisor and I just said, hey, please help me out. I want to transfer to computer science. Uh, so, yeah, they set me on the right path. They told me, you know, what what classes to take, what marks I needed. And that's pretty much how like what I did. Basically, I, I just studied my butt off. And, you know, I'm not really the brightest kid. Like I barely made the cutoff. Like literally my marks were on the spot, the requirements, not even above. Um, and I guess I was really lucky that I made the cutoff and got into computer science. So I was pretty lucky. Hey man, that's, that's quite the accomplishment. Uh, don't like undersell it. Waterloo <laughs> is one of the top, it's one of the top computer science programs in the world. Yeah, definitely. Like, I guess one thing that I don't like is, I don't know, I, I guess when I mentioned, you know, I went to Waterloo, then people have this kind of judgment they're like oh you went to Waterloo that's why you are where you are today um well I kind of think you know it's kind of like my hard work as well like I you know hustled and grinded my way it's not like yeah just because you go to Waterloo you'll be handed all these you know tech jobs everything there are still people that go to this school and can't even find a job after so it's not just because you know you went to a certain school or certain place that you get where you are yeah this is very much true um People say the same thing about my program. I went to one of the top game development programs in the country, and we have like people in pretty much every game studio in the world. Uh, and people think that if you just go there, you'll get a job. But like, out of the like eight people I graduated with, I was the only one that got a job for like two years. It took them a really mm -hmm. long time to find work. So like, it's, there's a lot that goes into it, you know? Yeah, definitely. All right, I, I can relate to um, the immigrant experience as well. Uh, basically the same thing happened to me my family was like the first generation of my family to live in this country and no one had like college I was the first one in my uh, my family to go to college as well and it's rough not knowing what you're doing yeah it's it's, it's rough like uh, I don't know your parents are just like you know just study study you know get get A's get A's but to be honest it's like it's very difficult you know like getting that with those A's and whatever but I guess you know like I, I later realized, you know, like Marx isn't everything. Uh, experience is really important as well. Uh, so 
like I, I I struggled in university. Like I struggle a lot in the math courses. Like I studied my ass off, and then when it came to the exams and stuff, it's just like this whole different stuff. Like they ask you all these hard questions that you never seen in your life, and then, but yeah, like I, I kind of just focus more on like experience. Um, so yeah, I just did a lot of side projects and stuff like that, and I think that's what really carried me throughout <laughs> university. Uh, not my grades, but like my experience. Yeah, the experience definitely matters a lot uh, too, especially like um, in software engineering. Uh, side projects can often be more valuable than like having a 4.0 GPA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right, so um, can you talk about some of the responsibilities that might fall on you as a mobile app developer uh, while you're working? Yeah, so as a mobile developer, uh, I'd say what we do is pretty similar to what a web developer does. Like in, in the end, we're all front-end engineers. We build what you see on a screen, on a display, whatever. Um, so kind of what we do is, you know, we kind of we kind of have like, yeah, the company will have a goal. Or it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a company. Like whatever, a project you're working on, side project. You're going to have a goal and you're going to want to like do something to reach that goal. Uh, so for example, if you want, like let's say ads. Like if your goal is to get more people to click on a button, right? Uh, you're going to need someone to design a user interface. But you, you'll want to build a user interface where it's super easy and intuitive so that you can get users to convert and do a certain thing, right? So as a front-end engineer, we're building that experience uh, for the user. For example, let's say we had to build this button that says, you know, uh, click here to, I don't know, download our app, right? Like it's, it, it's, it sounds simple, right? We, everyone makes jokes and memes. Oh yeah, front-end engineers just make buns. But there's a lot that goes behind that one button, like, you know, from the design, like where to place it, you know, there's like all the study, like we're tracking analytics, seeing, you know, what color, like actually, you know, people joke about color too. It's like, oh, all you do is change the color button. But that, like even a simple change of a color will change how people interact with your application. So it's kind of crazy. Uh, but anyway, that, that's a very simple example. But uh, yeah, let's 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 talk about TikTok. Like, okay, they're always changing their app. Like literally like every week I have a different experience. It's just, it's kind of weird. Uh, but I, I think it's really good. You know, um, there's this saying of, you know, fail fast in this industry uh, where people want to build things very quickly, ship it out, let users try it out. And then basically they just learn from it. That's what we do. You know, we build all these experiences. We put it behind experiments where basically, for example, you know, uh, you might see a red button and your friend might see a green button. And then based on that, uh, there'll be a study to see, you know, which one clicks more. And at the end of that, we figure out, okay, maybe green button is better. And then that's when they ship out that to a larger audience. Um, and that's pretty much like mobile development. All we do is, you know, we're building the user interface, whatever you see, whatever you tap, that's us. Okay. Um, so what was it about mobile development that drew you to specialize in that? Yeah. So uh, the thing about computer science, like, yeah, you're studying computer science. It's all theory. You're learning all these algorithms, data structures, all that stuff. Um, oh yeah. So, so with computer science, you, you study all these, you know, theoretical stuff, like, you know, algorithms, data structures, blah, 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 how to code. Um, and all that stuff is, you can't really see what it is. Like, like you can output, you can get the output of the, whatever your code executes to, right? Like if you go like five plus five, you'll get 10. 
but you never get to see what it looks like, you know, from a user interface standpoint. Uh, and for me, you know, I've always wanted to build apps because I always have a phone on me. Like I'm, I don't bring a laptop everywhere with me, but I'll always have a phone with me. So whenever I build something, or if I ship it to the store or whatever, if I meet people, go into an interview or whatever, like I can just take out my phone and show them what I built. And I think that's the beauty of it, you know, being able to show what I built. Uh, and th that's pretty much what I love about mobile development. Like just watching people use the thing you built. I think it's probably similar with game development too. Is that like you, you probably find enjoyment when you see someone playing your game, right? It's quite the opposite actually. <laughs> because um, game, game projects are so long and drawn out. They're like multi-year projects that by the time it ships, you hate it so much, you want nothing to do with it. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, um, I guess for me, like, I guess, yeah, with mobile development, like our features are not, unless if it's like a really huge feature, then maybe it will be longer. But usually timeline, maybe six, four, two months, depending on how the scope of it. Uh, so it's, it's very easy for us to, you know, see the impact we make, you know, right away. Like, like we, we could ship a new feature, like right away too. And it'll be in the user's phone, the user's phone within like, you know, uh, a week or something. So it's like pretty cool. Yeah, with with game development, there's there's a lot of red tape. Uh, you have to go through an informal QA process every time you submit an update to your your app um, for each of the different stores. So it, it takes a really long time for something to go from like iteration to like actual update. So it's, it's a bit like more drawn out. Yeah, like actually, um, there's one thing that I don't like about mobile development is especially. Uh, releasing a app for the first time to the Apple store, like the Apple store, they have very strict guidelines and they have a strict review process. Uh, so usually it, it, like literally, I think I tried releasing my own app like a while back, it took like a whole month just for us to speak with a representative from Apple, just for them to tell us, Hey, you know, we don't like the way you, you phrase this one thing. And they rejected our app and it, it, it was like a long back one week back and forth it was like pretty annoying sony does the same thing uh with playstation games god forbid you have to use the playstation move if you call it anything other than the official name for it which is like sony playstation motion controller or something like that if you call it anything other than that during a tutorial you get automatic disqualification your game doesn't ship you have to like call it exactly what it is yeah yeah like that's why I like um I like Google Google Store better, um because they're more lenient, more free. Like yeah, it's also free. You don't need to pay a membership or anything to release stuff on it. Uh, so it's very easy to get things out the door. You do, you do. You have to pay a one-time membership fee of twenty-five dollars. Oh right, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. It's better than Apple though, because I think Apple you have to pay a hundred dollars every year. Yeah, yeah, have that's better right. Customer service. Um, if something happens on Google, you're basically on your own. Um, yeah. So can you talk about like, uh, what your day to day is like, like how much of your time is eaten up by meetings versus like actual work versus like just chilling? Yeah. So it totally depends. Like, um, like I don't have a definite answer because it depends on like, you know, what I'll be doing, right. If I'm on a new project, then it'll be, it'll be probably, um, a lot of meetings in the beginning so yeah i guess you can split up the you know the, 
the project life cycle, right? There's like probably like three stages, you know, the early stage where you're planning everything and stuff like that. Then the middle stage is more like the grind phase, you know, we're just coding everything out, getting things ready to ship. And then the final phase, you know, that that's probably the more chill phase. It's just, you know, bug bashing, you know, making sure there's no bugs, testing, and a lot of like, you know, final touches basically. So during that period, it's more chill and more relaxed, not that stressful. But at the beginning, it's more meetings, less coding, you know, just trying to figure out what we want to build, how we want to build it, talking with like cross-functional teams, figuring out, you know, all the APIs and anything else we need. Um, and also like a lot of research as well. Because uh, before you build something, you got to figure out how to build it, right? Then you got to come up with, okay, the architecture, get buy-in and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I guess, okay, if you want a typical day, like, okay, um, I go in to the office. Yeah, I go to the office nowadays. Uh, but yeah, I go in, have breakfast, you know, take my time. Then I, you know, check my emails, check messages, stuff like that. There's like a code review I need to do, like I'll review the code. And then after that, I would, you know, start, you know, having some head, head down time, you know, start coding, writing some code. Then I'll have lunch and then, you know, maybe chill a bit, you know, chat with some coworkers then get back to it and do some more coding, code reviews and maybe some meetings. That's pretty much like a day to day. Like there's nothing special. I don't know people, I don't know what people are expecting. Like usually on TikTok, YouTube, you see people like showing their day to day. Like, yeah, that's literally all we do. We sit on a computer, we type stuff and that's it. And we try to make it look more fun by showing you, you know, the awesome perks we get. Uh, but yeah. I, I, I see where you're coming from, but like, I'm not gonna lie. Um, when I wanna know what someone's doing for work, I don't really care what they had for lunch and stuff like that. <laughs> so I, I can relate to the haters a little bit, just a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's it sounds like um, it's kind of like the opposite in terms of workload for like what I do, uh, because my job is is mostly based on performance, which doesn't really become an issue until the game's ready to ship. So when towards the tail end of a project, that's when it sucks the most for me. So like I'm closing out a project right now. I don't typically work like full full days. I only work like three four hours a day, uh, but I actually have to work like the full day or sometimes like extra. Uh, towards the end of a project because uh, most of it is just like performance monitoring and I'm meeting with like so many people throughout the day giving them updates all these bugs god forbid there's a graphics bug I have to fix yeah I guess like for you you're like more like the, the finishing touch guy you know you're making sure like things aren't laggy you know there's no memory leaks stuff like that um, so wait, if, if there is bugs, like, like, are you the one that fixes it or do you, you know, you, you give it to the developers to tell them to fix it? it? It depends. So like, I, I'm like one of the sweatiest people at my studio. So if it's something that's like really difficult, like a really hard engineering task, it'll typically fall on me because engineering typically doesn't have like time to allocate someone to just work on a bug indefinitely. Mm -hmm. So that's something I'll work on. And usually, like, I'll be able to fix it or find some sort of workaround. Um, but if it's something that's, like, easily fixable or it's, like, someone else's domain of expertise, I'll just uh, tell them what the problem is and give them a recommendation on how to fix it. That's usually what happens. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah, if it's not, like, a graphics thing, I, I typically don't have to touch it. Mm -hmm. All right, so what does career progression as a mobile developer uh, look like compared to, like, a typical generalist in software engineering? 
Um, Is it like a little bit faster, a little slower? I wouldn't say it's faster or slower. I'd say like I'm pretty sure it depends on companies. Like, yeah, I, I guess like different companies have their own way of, um, I guess, calibrating engineers and stuff like that. Uh, but in terms of like promotion, uh, I'd say it's kind of it's the same. Like everywhere I've been so far, it's always been the same. Uh, like literally they want you to it's, it's called a lagging. I don't remember the exact term, but it's like kind of like the way you get promoted is kind of lagged. Like they want you to perform at the next level for a good six months or so before they can consider you for the next level. It's kind of BS in a way. They're getting you to output more at the next level and paying you less um, in order to prove yourself that you are worthy for that title. Um, so in general, like in terms of promotion, um, the timelines are usually, you know, one year to a year and a half, uh, where basically if you're performing at the next level in that one year time frame, you need to keep it up for another six month ish just for that. Um, just for them to acknowledge you that you're performing in the next level. Um, but yeah, I've seen some other companies, they do like, I don't know, six month promotions or something. Like maybe if you get like leveled incorrectly in your new job, then maybe if you can prove yourself in like six months time, they might, you know, they, they, they might do you good, but they might do you bad as well. It depends. Uh, a lot of people get, you know, get screwed over. Um, but I guess it is what it is. Yeah, I I see that a lot on TikTok. Um, a lot of content creators, uh, they talk about how they've been promoted like X number of times in a couple of months. And uh, if you even mention the fact that like they probably brought were brought in at the wrong level rather than like they're just so awesome that they get promoted constantly, um, it, it they get offended. Uh, so it's glad to see that other people have the same sentiment. Yeah, like I guess at the end of the day, um, there, there's no in, real incentive for you to, you know, work your butt off to try to prove yourself that, you know, you're worthy of promotion. Because in the end, you know, there is that timeline you need to fit in. Um, it doesn't matter how, like, like I, I seen some people burn out real quick because they're like, yeah, I, I want to hit that next level super quick. So I'm going to work extra hours. Like I see people pulling in, you know, like they're in the office till like 7, 8 p.m., you know, just coding all day and trying to like chase for that promotion. Um, like, you know, it's... it. Like, it's fine if they enjoy it, but it can burn you out really quick if you do that, if you're just chasing that promotion. Because, you know, <laughs> by the time the, the what, what do you call it, the the promotion time or no, the calibration, no, uh, the review, yeah. By the time the review cycle comes, your, your manager just be like, hey, you know, nah, you need to do this for a whole year. You, just because you did it for six months doesn't mean you'll keep performing for that for the whole year. So they're going to like BS you like that and just say, yeah, you're not getting promoted. But if you keep up, if you keep up this workload for another six months, then yeah, you'll potentially get promoted. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the things that promote job hopping as well. Because even if you do manage to get these promotions every uh, promotion cycle, every review cycle, they're not going to like keep up with like the the market. So like, like honestly, if you want to get promoted, the easiest strat is to just like, uh, take the L and start grinding lead code and interview well, at the next level. Well, not exactly. Like, there's also this other BS thing too because uh, a lot of companies, they uh, they all have their different calibrations, right? Like, okay, just because you're senior at this company and you go to this next company, they may not consider you senior. You know, they look at, you know, years of experience and all that good stuff. 
so they they might they might be like okay yeah you're senior here but here you're not a senior we're not gonna consider you senior um so it's it's kind of a, a tough game to play yeah that is true that is true it varies based on industry as well i've noticed um because when i was a web developer i was a senior web developer but like um and when i switch over to game development like i'm, I'm mid-level because game development just it doesn't move as fast there's not as many like levels in game development when you mm. hit principal, that's it. Uh, there's no like distinguished engineer and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. It tends to move a lot slower. So yeah, I can I can feel you on that. All right. So um, when you when you work like on your day to day, um, you're typically working on a team, right? Uh, what are some of the other roles that you interact with? Like, um, I assume like probably a PM, a designer. Yeah. So in general, uh. Like a, a team usually consists of you know a a manager who you know you interact with here and there for career growth or yeah um yeah so there's a manager where you interact with for basically career growth or basically uh you use them to help you get unblocked on something um like like they'll, they'll help escalate if you have something that you need to escalate they'll help you escalate uh so that's the manager then your team, there'll be probably other engineers you work with, right? So since I'm front-end engineer, I partner closely with back-end engineers uh, who, you know, we work together, figure out, you know, all the stuff I need to render the stuff I need on the UI side. Uh, so that's another, like, person I work with. Uh, and then, yeah, there will be designers that you work with closely. Um, and I guess one of the key takeaways here with working with designers is, in most cases, well, not most cases, but in, in some cases, whatever the designer designs is probably not the best. Uh, and it is your job as an engineer to work with that designer to tell them, you know, what makes sense for the product or the timeline you're building stuff. Or basically, you can even just tell them whatever you built, uh, whatever you design doesn't make sense, right? Uh, it's, it's collaborative. Uh, so I didn't learn that until like later on in my career where at the beginning is like, oh, whatever the designer makes, I must do that too. Um, there's actually a guy on TikTok who like, I think he roasts like d UI designs by designers. It's like, yeah, this is way too complicated for an engineer to make. But yeah, I don't know, designers always have these like crazy ideas that they want to ship. Um, and then like the next person you want to work with is probably a product manager. Um, and they're basically the one who kind of like shapes the product and they come up with, you know, what you need to build and kind of like the timeline. So you kind of work together with them, figure out, yeah, you're helping them figure out the product and trying to give them like, you know, a good estimate for, you know, how long it will take for, I guess, the whole team to build something. Um, so yeah, another thing that engineer has to do is being very good at estimating timelines. Um, once you get really good at that, that's when you can start slacking off. Just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Um, all right, so you've been doing this for about three years now, right? Um, what What is some yeah. of the things about the job that keep you interested after doing it for a few years? Um, I guess the thing, like, I'll be honest with you, I get bored very easily. I hop jobs a lot. Um, if it's not jobs, it's either projects. Um, so for me, like, I guess... This might be a symptom of Waterloo Co-op. So in Waterloo, we do six total co-op positions where they last, you know, four months each. 
so usually by the end of co-op like i'm pretty relieved because i'm like yeah i got bored of that project and now i'm finally leaving i'm pretty happy but now when it comes to full-time work it's like yeah i'm gonna be stuck here forever basically well until i decide to leave the company um so i get like pretty bored quickly uh but what what keeps me you know engaged and happy about my job is constantly learning new things like for me uh if i get bored if i feel like i'm not learning like i will leave the company i will go seek other opportunities um or a new project basically um because for me if i'm if i'm like moving buttons around changing color all day like that will bore me out really hard like so, some people do it right they they like to you know coast you know it, it's you know it gets the money and stuff but for me you know i'm, I'm still young i still i still want to get better you know keep learning so i'm always you know ready to seek out like more opportunities to keep me you know learning okay yeah that's understandable um uh i'm i'm kind of like topping out at my company right now too that's that's kind of why i'm taking interviews uh so i definitely feel that um all right so what is the interview process like for becoming a mobile developer someone who's like been self-studying or just came out of, of a computer science program fresh what can they expect to see in an interview for an entry level uh, yeah so um for a technical interview uh it kind of depends on the company like some companies they don't care uh all they care is you know your algorithms and data structures so for example like a google like they're gonna straight up ask you they're gonna straight up ask you you know algorithms and data structure related questions but as a mobile engineer, they will, you know, tweak the question a bit. So that way it fits more of a, a mobile story, right? Um, like, an, like they're going to ask you to build something or, or, you know, write an algorithm to do something that's kind of related to mobile development. Uh, and there's companies where basically the interview process is more like here. Here's a feature we want to build. Can you build it for me? So you'll be sharing your screen and building that feature uh, live with the interviewer. So that's another type of interview. And sometimes you may get a take-home test. So companies will give you a take-home test where uh, they'll have like an app that they want you to build or some feature. And basically you build that on your own time. And then after during the interview, it's more of a discussion where they talk about, you know, why you built it a certain way and the trade-offs you made and stuff like that. And the last type of interview, and these are very rare, these ones are ones where you just talk with the interviewer. You guys just straight up talk, no coding at all. And these ones are super fun, um, but they're very rare. So if you get those, those you're very lucky. Those are usually lucky. reserved for more uh, senior engineers, right? Um, not exactly. Like sometimes more junior roles, but take it with a grain of salt. Like those companies are probably not the most technical companies or they're very like old fashioned in the way where, you know, you're not going to like grow as quickly there per se like, you, you want to hear something yeah. funny that's that's how my interview was sure. for my current role they um it was it was like a, it was multiple rounds but essentially like i just sat down with the team and uh i showed them like some of the projects i worked on and they like roasted my code a little bit i explained to them why i did some things and then uh from that point on there was no code interview they asked me some like math questions because that's important for what i do uh, but aside from some like math questions and uh, reviewing some code that I'd already written, uh, they didn't really ask me to do anything technical during the interview process. So, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, what I was saying, actually, you know, cut out a bit what I said. Actually, what, what I wanted to say was, yeah, so for those companies where you get, you know, the conversation, uh, it, it's kind of, it's, it's different because you kind of get to be yourself, right? Like, you want to be the person they want to hire. You're going to have to act that way. Um, and, yeah, most cases, it's just mostly talking about your previous experiences, right? So, it, it's pretty fun. Uh, I like those interviews a lot. Um but yeah, they're very they rare. They're, I was surprised when it happened to me, uh, to be honest. All right. Um, so are there alternative routes to becoming a mobile developer? Because you went the computer science route. That's considered the traditional route. What are some of the alternative routes to becoming a mobile developer? Yeah, so honestly, if you want to be a mobile developer, like this is what I just tell everyone. Like this whole industry, the whole beauty of this industry is there's no real cost like yeah you'll probably see comments on tiktok oh you can learn everything for free man everything's free on the internet blah 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 and you know they're, they're not wrong because <laughs> literally like there's so many resources so many stuff out there and the best part is also like if you have internet and a computer or a phone nowadays you can write code you can learn to code um and it's totally free. Like you don't even like. It's crazy. Like like okay, if you want to be, uh, let's say, like like let's say you want to open your own like Etsy shop and you want to sell stuff. Like you're gonna have to buy, like the the products or whatever the material to make the items. But with code, it's like whatever's in your brain you put into that computer, it will like it will work, right? Uh, so you can build websites for free, apps for free, and yeah. Other than like the, the small fee you have to pay to put your app on the store, like it's a great way for you to, you know, build out your resume portfolio. Like I, I see a lot of these people, they they put like they put their applications and whatever on their resume, but they never, you know, share a link or anything related to it. So for me, like when I look at people's resumes and I see that, I feel like, okay, like anyone could write that, right? You can just BS your resume if you really wanted to. But if you show the initiative that, you know, you put it on the store, you had users using your app, it doesn't even matter if it's like 10 users, um, it's, it's still, it still shows initiative that, you know, you're not scared to ship stuff. And I think that's like very important, you know, because uh, let, let's be honest, a lot of these self-taught people, they, they write their code and they're too embarrassed to share their code, right? Like, like their, their GitHub repositories are all private. Like, I, I know that for sure, because when I first started coding, all my repositories were private. I was like, yo, my code is so good. I don't want people to steal my code. <laughs> but then later on, I realized, you know, my code isn't isn't good at all. It's like garbage. It's it's good to put your code out there because uh, people can review it, right? And, and that's how you learn. That's how you get better at coding, having other people look at your code and giving you feedback. If you don't have that, like, you're not... You're not gonna get better. You're not gonna yeah, learn. That, that review cycle where you get roasted, and uh, it it sucks the first couple of times, but it's it's ultimately I think good for you as a developer because you need to learn uh, what things like shouldn't be in code bases and stuff. Uh, so I, th I think it's pretty valuable. Yeah, that's pretty much like that's how I came. That that's how I went from being a garbage coder to a you know, a okay coder. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I say this a lot, like 99% of the code on the internet is garbage. And it, it doesn't, a lot of it doesn't need to be good. If it's something that's only going to live for like a few months, just write some garbage code and ship it. Uh, 
but yeah. you know you should know the right thing to do at least in terms of like best practices yeah all right so um what are some of the most important skills that you would tell someone to focus on um if they told you they wanted to become a mobile developer and they were going to self-teach um most important skill um like, like what, what do you something mean like that's often lacking to... self-taught developers that you think they should focus on yeah i guess um most important skill yeah i guess like a, a very good skill to have is learning how to basically um google things or just resolve issues uh like i think when i first started coding like i didn't know what to do like oh i got an error and it's telling me, oh, like this line, there's an error, blah, blah, blah. Like, I wouldn't know what to do, right? Like, I didn't know who to go to or whatever, right? But now, you know, I'm more resourceful, right? Like, I, I figured out, okay, I need to Google. I need to, you know, um, yeah, I need to, you know, learn how to use Google, how to find the answer, right? Because um, at the end of the day, like, coding is probably the easy part of the job. The, the hard part is the problem solving, you know, figuring out how to resolve those issues, how to get something to work. Like at the end of the day, like another way to call a programmer is a hacker, right? We're basically hackers. Like we solve, we, we, we break stuff, we get stuff working and all that. Like that's the most important skill to have. And I guess another thing that I'd say is important is just being curious, right? Like I see, I, I guess a lot of people, they want to get into this field, you know, for the money. Like that, that's totally fine. Um, but if you're not curious about the field, you know, curious why certain things work, curious about how to build something or the correct way to build things, like it's very hard for you to get better at coding. Um, Cause like, well, I guess one key trait of all programmers is, you know, we're curious people, right? Like if, if there's a bug in the, in the code, like we, we can't sleep cause we're like, yo, what's causing that bug? I want to know. And, and that, that's a very important thing, right? because uh, if you're always curious you're always learning you're always finding like different things um and that's what's gonna make you better yeah i i think that's some good advice all right so you talked about like uh some of the things that happened when you were first learning how to code what are some of the other challenges that you ran into when you're first learning yeah i think my biggest struggle and also a struggle today is setting up an environment like that is the hardest thing to do like honestly it's not even it's not even coding it's not even thinking it has nothing to do with that it's literally you're maybe missing a certain parameter a certain variable or something you know or maybe you're not setting things up correctly in the right order like that stuff takes hours and if it's your first time doing it you're gonna like struggle and you know want to give up um but after you set up your environment like everything just becomes smooth um and that's why like uh, I, I like to use Replit a lot and I encourage a lot of my followers to use Replit is because they take away a lot of that machine setup. Like literally you just go straight into coding. Don't even have to worry about, you know, installing Python in your computer or, or any of that stuff. Um, so just, you know, straight up, like honestly, just write code. Don't need to worry about environment. Yeah, I feel you. Um, you mentioned Replit. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. Um, what are some of the other resources that kind of like helped you get to where you are now? Yeah, so yeah, a lot of people mentioned free code camp. I actually like used that site before, uh, but I don't know why 
uh, I never stuck with it for some reason. Like I, I, I know it's a really good resources and it, I, I know it's a really good resource and it's free, but for some reason, like after doing a few of it, like I gave up, like it's not, not the yeah, thing. I don't know I, why. I kind of agree. So like, I, I do appreciate that it's a completely free resource and free code camp, uh, helped me do some of my first commits to a public repo when I first got started programming. Uh, but I, I personally felt that um, a lot of the curriculum, it moves too slow and it's, it's too handholdy mm -hmm. and I get bored with it pretty quickly. Um, but if you're like a super beginner, uh, then I think it might be like the right pace for you. Yeah, I think um, an another thing is like, yeah, I, I guess a lot of beginners or yeah, people starting out, they're always wondering, you know, what language should I learn? what resources should I learn and stuff like that. And then I see everyone saying, yeah, CS50 is the best resource, blah, 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 because it's by Harvard. Like, I, I get it, it's by Harvard, there's that big name behind it. But let's be real, you know, a lot of us aren't smart enough to get into Harvard anyways. And if you're gonna take a Harvard CS course, you know, you're probably gonna get your ass kicked. Um, but, 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 you know, and then like, like it's, it's a great resource. So, you know, they teach you a lot of good fundamentals, um, yeah. But, but I think what's important for beginners isn't really the learning part. Like what I think it's important is finding a way to keep yourself interested in this thing. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what resource you have. If you are not interested, you're going to get bored quick and you're going to burn out and you're going to quit. Like I've seen so many people like that, like literally like almost like that. That's why you always see all these tech talkers come on TikTok or whatever YouTubers, all these will come out. They're like, yeah, do these projects, blah, blah, blah. You'll get a job. But let's be real, like 90% of the people watching, like they will not make it because they will give up very early on in their career. Um, and that's why I want people to, you know, just make sure you're having fun. You're enjoying what you're doing. And that's, what's going to keep you going. Like you need to keep that fire lit. Once that fire goes out, your motivation is gone. You're not going to make it. Yeah. But, but for, for me, in my case, like I, I guess the people with, with degrees, right? We, we had a different kind of fire. It's like, yeah, it, it's do or die. If you fail, you wasted your money. You're not going anywhere. But for me, it's just like, yeah, I need to, I need to pass this course. I need to learn to code because I'm paying money for this. I will make sure I, I finish this. Yeah. That's, that's a good motivation, not uh, wasting your money. Um, so like yeah. my school in particular, uh, so they have this policy. It's a very like difficult program, uh, the game dev program. There's a lot of classes where people fail it like three, four times. So uh, they have this policy where like, as long as you're like, not like missing a bunch of classes, they'll let you retake the class for free. Uh, because people were spending so much money taking the same courses over and over again. So they decided to implement that policy. And after they implemented that policy, it really sucked because a lot of people would just like, stop trying because they know that as long as they showed up they could keep failing as many times as they needed to pass and <clears throat> removing that little like motivation of like taking the financial hit it definitely like affected people in a negative way i feel um yeah yeah i guess like at my school um i think you have a requirement where if you fail i think maybe like an x number of classes like you basically get kicked out basically. Um, so we do have an incentive to pass our classes. And actually there's this one math course uh, in first year. 
it's basically discrete math and that course is like a big weeder like it weeds out so many kids like so many people fail that and i was so i was so glad that i passed it on the first go because that class like was like really hard like it was crazy yeah um so i went to like two different schools i went to um i, I was in a civil engineering program uh before i uh i decided to study game development in that civil engineering program i had to take a discrete structures class and that final was so hard that the highest score was like a 38. The curve was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I guess that's one more thing, like engineering and I guess other other um, other studies as well. There's like, there's, there's, there's usually a curve and those curves are really a blessing in disguise. <laughs> as long as you don't have a few sweats that ruin it for you. That is all right. Uh, so I'll I'll, uh, I'll link those resources in the show notes for people. Um, oh yeah, so this is an important one. Do you have a mentor? Um, do I have a mentor? Well, um, in most cases, like I, I don't have like a dedicated mentor, like someone that I talk to like monthly or whatever. Like most of the mentors I have are people from work. Um, so usually, you know, someone more senior than me you know someone who's been coding more than me like those are people i talk with um and i think like it, it's very good to to find a mentor in your life uh especially if you're just starting out because mentors the whole point of a mentor is someone who you know sharing their knowledge helping you like not go through the same traps as them or whatever they fell into stuff like that um and they're very helpful especially um yeah sorry i meant like it's very hard to find a mentor like a good mentor there that that as well uh but usually once you find a job uh it's very easy to get yourself a mentor uh you'll usually get paired up with someone or you know someone on your team who's been there for a while like they'll become your mentor and you just go to them for anything you need um but yeah in terms of like my own dedicated mentor nah i don't have that i i'm still figuring out my life yeah, i feel that um i like loki had one um when i was getting into computer graphics I just kind of joined the computer graphics community on Twitter and uh, the CEO of Binomial, she has like a website where you can find people who work in like specialized fields and like uh, who are like mm -hmm. willing to mentor. So I just reached out to some of them and like asked them like, hey, I'm trying to do this. What do I study? Stuff like that. It doesn't have to be like a daily thing where you constantly meet with them or whatever. It can just be people who you reach out to for like career advice and stuff like that on occasion yeah yeah that makes sense <clears throat> all right so it's a good one um is there like a common common belief or like myth about mobile development that uh comes up a common myth mm, i don't know if it's specifically for mobile development but i guess um I, I wouldn't say it's a myth, but it's maybe something that mobile the people in mobile will understand. But usually the interview loop for people in mobile is a bit easier compared to other routes because we're usually not really asked LeetCode style questions. Like our questions are more related to what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so it's, it's more straightforward, I would say. Um, like when I study for interviews nowadays, like I don't spend that much time doing leak code anymore i spend more time you know just reviewing how to build an app you know like literally I, I set up a simple app like build a simple um 
a simple application, you know, like from step one, like from basically from scratch, you know, just just to refresh my memory. Because uh, usually when it goes to when it comes to an interview, they ask like all those, you know, small details and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I guess like I would say, yeah, the interview loop is might be a bit easier. Okay. All right. So I have some like rapid fire questions, just like quick answer. All right. So what are some of the things that you enjoy the most about uh, working as a mobile developer? Um, Working like does it have to be mobile developer or just working yeah, in just tech in general? general? Yeah, I guess one of my favorite things is like, you know, the the freedom, right? Like like I've worked in like basically uh in the restaurant industry before. It's like like literally you get no breaks. Like you're on your feet the whole like eight hour day, right? As a when you work in tech, it's like, yeah, you get a desk, you get to sit whenever you want, you can stand if you want, you get washroom breaks, you, you do whatever you want, right? As long as you get your work done, like no one's gonna care what you do. But when you're in like when I worked in the restaurant, it's like, yeah. There's always like micromanagement, people watching down my back, not letting me do anything basically. Um, are there some things that you don't enjoy as much about working in tech or mobile? Yeah, I, I guess like it can get very um, like toxic in a way where basically, you know, you always want to be chasing something like in most cases, like either a promotion or chasing, you know, money, stuff like that there's always something to chase and it, it gets really toxic like you, you can get yourself lost in that where you know your whole life is focused on those materialistic things that you forget to you know enjoy your time at that company right enjoy the people there enjoy everything there yeah, yeah. i feel that i feel that um all right so when you're mentally blocked at work uh what are some of the things you do to get like unblocked you know honestly you know take a quick walk you know go chat with someone or, you know, go in the game room, you know, play some games, uh, you know, and just relax your mind, basically. Um, and how do you feel about the career outlook for mobile app development uh, based on your experience? Uh, do you think it's going to be like more in demand in the future or less in demand? I think it's going to change significantly. Um, I think right now there may be a shortage of mobile developers. Like, I'm not too sure, but that's what I keep hearing. Because um, I, I get reached out a lot on LinkedIn, but I don't know, maybe it's right now it's like a time when a lot of companies are trying to hire. Uh, but I, I think like going forward, like a few years down the road, uh, like like r right now a lot of people are on their phones anyways, right? So that's why apps are so important. Um, but going down the road even further, like I think more people will be like, I don't know, we, we might have a shift, right? Like right now this whole, this whole talk of like a, a metaverse or whatever right like who knows man people might not be on their phones anymore there might be some next next thing you know yeah everyone keeps know. saying that but here's the thing all of those vr headsets are running mobile phone os's so they're yeah. still technically like mobile development <laughs> in a way yeah like like what i mean by like yeah so, so, so mobile will be booming right that, that's what i meant by the the shortage right if all these companies want to you know build for this whole new generation of things right you're gonna need more you know mobile developers you know less people building websites more people building like native applications basically yeah, yeah. i i, I kind of agree um are you noticing any like interesting trends about the the field well mm, 
not like, too sure like in terms of um, um, to like be honest what companies are releasing like apple and uh google in terms of like apis and stuff for the app development stuff mm, in terms of app development well i guess for apple they released the new m1 chips and that shit is like really good like if you're building mobile apps like that will speed up like your build times for an iOS application um and i i think yeah apple's also going to release this new um new new computer as well like it, it's much smaller than like the other tower uh oh, i don't remember the name studio. of it but it, it looks pretty cool yeah, yeah 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 the studio yeah that thing that's that thing's yeah, like yeah. really small too and it's like super powerful it doesn't seem worth the money to me uh but i am excited to see what people do yeah all yeah right. um all right so this is the most important question are you happy so far with your choice to become a mobile developer or do you wish you did something instead um i'd say like i'm pretty happy like if i wasn't in this field i'm not sure what i would be doing to be honest um like i i guess in this field i i do have drive like you know i'm maybe because i'm still young like i'm, I'm still looking forward to you know getting promotions you know getting that next pay bump etc like I, I i'm still chasing the money you know like I, i'm still young but i think you know uh at one point i'm probably gonna you know reach a point where you know maybe i don't want to code anymore or something you know want to do something less taxing on the on my mental health uh you know do something chill you know like like i don't know fry some burgers or something <laughs> open a restaurant yeah, i don't know I, I feel that it happens to a lot of people in software and and that's the thing like um one thing that i don't like about tiktok is like, like like yeah you see a lot of these like tech talkers you know all of them you know we're all trying to do something different right like some people are selling courses some people are you know building an app trying to get people to use their application whatever they're trying to do you always have these haters saying oh yeah they're, they're doing this so that they don't need to code anymore blah 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 but like i don't know like at, at the end of the day like everyone's trying to <laughs> get out of their jobs right like who wants to work a job right it's me um, i'm the haters i yeah. made a video about that <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> right, so this is the last like job related question do you have any words of wisdom for anyone looking to get into web development something you wish you knew coming in um something i knew yeah i guess like um and yeah you guys should uh check out my youtube channel i'm teaching you guys i i teach you guys how to code and probably you know i i avoid a lot of the fluff focusing on like the, the key important stuff just to get you rolling um so that way you know you're not stuck in tutorial how you're always you know progressing um and learning the stuff necessary uh so if you guys want that like check out my youtube um I have some more questions, some like quick personal questions. People can get to know you better. All right. So sure, sure. Um, let's, let's move on to these personal questions real quick. All right. So what are you, some of your favorite things to eat? Favorite things to eat, yo. Number one has to be pizza. Um, I really like Chinese food as well. And I also love fried chicken. So I have questions about this. Pineapple on pizza. Year name. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Pineapple, <laughs> yes. All right, all right. Uh, when you say you like Chinese, uh, 
are you talking about like the Americanized Chinese food or like authentic Chinese food? Oh, yeah, I, I like more authentic chow, uh, authentic style Chinese food. How do you feel about how do you feel about duck? Duck? Yo, I love duck. Duck and rice, like roasted duck. Oh, that that is that yeah, is so good. I, I'm like the only one who's like this into duck. You remember like a while ago, I like flew to New York just to get some duck. <laughs> I don't know what you did in New York, but <laughs> oh, okay. I, I didn't tell you about that. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you flew to New York, but like, I don't know. That's, I didn't know you had duck. You didn't say anything. To have duck. Like from Chinatown? Yeah, I, I did go to Chinatown at one point, but for the most part, I kind of just ordered from uh, this one restaurant in uh, Midtown. Mm, all right, I so, see, I see. All right, what, are, what was your favorite subject in high school and what was your favorite subject in college? <laughs> uh, my favorite subject was probably art. Like, I... I, I like art. I like drawing, stuff like that, painting. Um, I guess in university, hmm, favorite class. Um, I think I really enjoyed my security class. Like I took this one security class, like it was pretty fun. Like we, we learned how to like hack websites, how to like break stuff too. Um, like it, it wasn't easy, but like the, the stuff we were doing was like pretty interesting. And then, um, I think that's what got me to look at to like you know wait sorry that's what got me to kind of look at you know bug bounties and stuff like that like that shit's legit i don't know for, for the haters <laughs> out there you know there are people who do this as a side hustle because like i like like i said i never said it was easy and i wasn't trying to like like basically dupe my followers like i'm just saying like if you're interested in this stuff like you could do this on the side like i literally saw like got some high schooler like they they were hacking stuff and that's how they got noticed by these big name companies and that's how they got you know internships and stuff like that so no you don't need a phd or any of that crap yeah all right so what what was your dream job as a child your dream job Did you have um as a child i don't think i had a dream job like maybe like i wanted to do i don't know maybe police officer or something that's interesting. Um, all right, so what what are some of your interests that uh, you do when you're not working, like your hobbies and stuff? Yeah, so I guess hobbies, like I like to play volleyball. Like I used to play that pretty often. Um, I'm not that good at it, but, you know, I it, it's just pretty fun for me. Um, I guess, yeah, in, during the pandemic, like, there wasn't really much to do so like i guess one other thing i like doing was you know eating out like trying out different cuisines trying different food trying different restaurants basically and then yeah i really i've always i guess i always wanted to do like youtube and stuff like that but i don't know i'm pretty shy like i i don't know i i guess when you first start or whenever you record yourself and you hear your own voice it's always like super weird like you, you just feel weird and and all those weird feelings, but I, I think, you know, um, after making some TikToks and stuff like that, I got more comfortable with it. So I've been, I've been like really having fun with, you know, making content. Okay. Yeah. That's, um, I, I definitely agree with that. Like, um, I definitely think it's weird even now when I record myself and I hear my voice, I'm like so cringed out by it. <laughs> all right. What is something that you're like really proud of? Something yeah. I'm really proud of? I guess for me, like, 
um, I guess my goal when I was a kid was to get a job that paid, you know, 100K. Like, I capped myself 100K. But, you know, I never imagined I'd be making way more than 100K right now. Like, that kind of blows my mind. Um, and yeah, I think, like, yeah, in high school, like, a high school teacher was telling me, you know, they're making close to six figures. And I was like, wow, I want to be a teacher now because, you know, they make so much money. But now I'm just like, yeah. nah, I don't want to be a teacher. Actually, teacher's job is so hard, too. You're, they're, like, they're stuck with kids for eight hours a day. Then they have homework, too. You know, the homework they assign you, they need to mark that homework. So that's more work for them. They don't get paid extra for that, either. That's the part that sucks. Exactly. Wait, if you had $10 million tax-free right now, what would you spend it on? $10 million, $10 million what? Dollars tax-free. What would you spend it on? Oh, $10 million? Number one, buy a house. Number two, I don't know, take myself out for vacation. Number three, maybe, you know, start a business with that money, you know? Keep the, get that side income, you know? Whatever, whatever people call it, yo, five income streams, you know? You, you yeah, see those TikTok, yo? These are my five, ten income streams. That's what I need to do. Start some income stream. If you had to use the ten million for a startup, what would you do? Yo, if I had to use for a startup, mm, it's tough. Like, I don't know. It's really hard to get to build something very successful um, or even come up with an idea that that's going to stick. Uh, to be honest, I, I can't. I don't have an answer. Uh, if you if you could do like any job just for like one day, what job would you pick? Any job? Um, I like to be the. I like to be the CEO of a company. Any like specific company or just like literally any company? I don't know. Maybe like a CEO of like a amusement park or something, you know, just do whatever I want the amusement. You, you know, like uh, that game, what's it called? Roller Coaster Tycoon. Oh. Kind of like be that guy, you know, like like put the roller coasters, you know, design that stuff. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's actually a good idea. Is there anything that you'd like to humble brag about or promote? And I'll put it in the show notes. You said you had a YouTube channel, right? I, I checked out YouTube channel. You have a lot of subscribers. I was, uh, uh, yeah, I guess, um, I, it's not really a humble brag. Like, I don't know. I don't really have anything humble brag, but like, I, I guess, you know, if you guys want to learn to code or something like that, feel free to check out my YouTube channel. Like I'm trying to grow it out, trying to, I guess, help more people break into tech. Um, and the only reason why I started making these like tutorial videos is because I personally taught a friend the same exact material and helped them land a job. So that's why I'm super confident with the stuff I'm teaching. Like I'm not pulling shit on my ass or anything. Like, like this is legit stuff I taught someone and they were able to land a job. So that's why like I am super confident with it. And even with all the haters, people saying like, I don't know how to code and all that shit. Like it's, it's all noise to me. Yeah, I feel you. Um, I'm going to link to all of Vincent's uh, social media in the show notes so you guys can follow him. Uh, Vincent, has been nice uh, interviewing you. I appreciate you being my first guest. And uh, it, I had fun. I hope you had fun too. Um, it was nice talking to you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thanks for having me, uh, Whittington. <laughs> all right, man. All right, thank you. <laughs>